Welcome to the penultimate episode of Indie Comics. I can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe it. Tyler is here with us again. Uh, we are going to be sharing a lot more about the end of Indie Comics and the beginning of Indie Comics 2.0, a new experience, which will have a different name, but uh, get excited for that in our next episode. Um, but this is 149. We're almost yeah. to 150. We're going to end with a bang. Uh, I am your host, Maddie, and I've got the wonderful Tyler here, as you've already heard. Howdy doody. Howdy doody. <laughs> and we have an incredible guest for you today. Uh, Russell Nolte, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. I mean, sort of a bittersweet uh, return to any comics, <laughs> but thank you guys for having me again. <laughs> of course. I think this is like your fourth time on the show out of the uh, 150. Yeah, so... I mean, there's nothing that I like more than being the big, the, the being like a return guest on shows that I'm comfortable with. Us and for you, right? We didn't scare you away, and we wanted you back. So it's a nice uh, reciprocal relationship right there. Yeah, you, always, you never know. You're like, okay, I did the show once. Did I do a good job? But you always know if they ask you to come back that, like, you must not have screwed it up that much the first time. Right? And if you come back, then it means we didn't screw up. So, I mean, we'll take it. Absolutely. Especially, like, like yeah, like, especially, like, when it's, like, yearly. Like, when they ask you to come back, like, every year almost. Like, yeah. Like, what we did pretty much. This is a six-year-old show. Right, and you're doing cool stuff. What What are you up to now? How have things been? Well, let's see. I remember when I came on here last, but I think it was when I was first bringing Ichabod back, and now we are about to wrap the fourth arc of art. We just wrapped the third Kickstarter, and uh, we're going about fulfillment. And talk about penultimate uh, issues. We have just wrapped the penultimate issue of uh, of uh, this, at least this arc of Ichabod Jones, um, which is the monster. Hunt. We we talked about this off camera or off off audio, where uh, the book was never supposed to be called Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter. The book was supposed to be was is Ichabod Jones, and then this arc is Monster Hunter. That's why Monster Hunter is like in a different font and everything. Um, but when you make a book in 2010 and you don't come out with another issue until 2000 and uh, 2019, uh, kind of the name sticks. So we're, <laughs> it was never intended to be the monster, Ichabod Jones monster hunter. Like this was one arc and then the next books were going to have another arc and then it was going to kind of continue on like that. So we are, we are wrapping up Ichabod Jones monster hunter, whether it continues in another format kind of all depends on, um, on like fan reaction to the fourth volume. The fourth volume is like, I end it definitively, uh, but uh, I don't know if people are going to like it. Yeah. Mm. Can I ask, you know, I, I've always wanted to know this because I, I have a few friends who have had some creative stories and, and whatnot and products. And we're like, it's kind of like what's happening with you where you have kind of adopted this whole arc and, and way to, to keep going with Ichabod Jones. What do you do with the ideas that you had that, where he wasn't the monster hunter? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of lumping a bunch of ideas together. So I tend to take a bunch of mediocre ideas and like make a good idea out of that. Um, and so Ichabod Jones' Monster Hunter was about his journey through the apocalypse. And so anything that was apocalypse related, I could fit into this arc. Uh, 
Anything that's not apocalypse related goes in a little folder that is like, maybe we can get to this in the future. Um, but Ichabod is great because I planned it to be seven arcs, but so much goes on in every volume of Ichabod that like literally it's every arc is two arcs. And so I planned seven arcs, the first volume and then six follow-ups and every volume is two volumes. And so you end up being able to fit in, even though it's only four issues, I fit in, you can fit in a lot of story in four issues. Yeah. And then things that so are you'll like, be writing for this until you die, is what you're telling us. Could if, if people like Have it more enough. and more and more. <laughs> uh, so Ichabod is a really tough one because uh, there's this idea that the things that he's seeing is not are not real, and it's really hard to make that work over the course of let's say a hundred issues. Um, yeah. So I it, it it's part of the challenge of Ichabod and part of what makes it fun for me to write is trying to figure out how to keep people guessing while still moving the story along and having them care about the characters that are inside the narrative even though everything that he's seeing may be in his head absolutely yeah. I um once you're done with the arc with, with Monster Hunter you can you can go on to something else and then eventually it'll be like Ichab Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter Ichabod, uh, and then like you just have other titles, and so it basically just becomes a resume. That's that'd be cool. Yeah. So I have the second. I, I know what the second arc is going to be. Like if it goes to the second arc, like if people like it enough, um, you know, the second the, we, we the last Kickstarter was a little bit disappointing. Even though we raised more money, we raised it from less people. So like it's kind of a, on the bubble for us about whether we would continue it to volume five right now, but. You know, volume five would move from Ichabod Jones' Monster Hunter to Ichabod Jones' Savior Complex. And nice. uh, so, oh, and, okay. mm, I like that. and that would be about the same 16 issues would be in that. That's what I would plan would be roughly 16 issues to be in that volume. And I know how that begins. I know how it, how it would end. Um, and then it's really just, do I... Does does Ichabod speak to me enough that I have to keep going with it? Because when you have a small press like I do, and most of your work is publishing your own material, uh, you only have so many things that you can do. You know, you can only, you can only market so many lines. Uh, you could, you know, usually things that are just one offs kind of fall by the wayside because you don't have the marketing energy to 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 market Ichabod plus the Godsverse plus whatever the smaller projects are. So often those smaller projects fall by the wayside unless, so really you have to Ichabod, after Ichabod, my, my, my plan is to move to another big title that I already kind of have an idea of what I'm going to do if I were to move that way. But the problem is that after doing 16 issues of Ichabod, like, I'm pulled more to do more Ichabod than I am to do this new thing, even though I think this new thing is potentially more, like has the, uh, has the potential to be much more popular than Ichabod is. Like, I love Ichabod, I love the fans, but like, uh, there's, it's, there's a cap to the, the, Fandom, like it's in a, it's kind of the the the, the art is like in an off genre, like the story is off genre, like it's very very weird. 
So you don't have like you don't have the ability to have Saga with Ichabod. Not because it's not wonderful, just because like there's way more people who would give Saga a chance than give Ichabod a chance. And because of that, there are more people who would love Sa- who who will end up loving Saga than will end up loving Ichabod. Are we allowed to know what the other idea is? Conceptually? <laughs> uh, so all right, this is the this, this is the second to last show. Uh, so I'll give you a scoop of the thing that I've been working on. Yeah, the scoop. You heard it first here, people. All right. So um, the idea is called Quest Girls. Ooh. It's um, so imagine a world where quest givers, people who give quests, are old, crotchety, not necessarily white dudes, but like you know, rich, elitist, <laughs> entitled kind of pricks. Yeah. And um, quest receivers are all kind of naive young people. That's kind of how all fantasy is, right? Like like the, yeah. the, the people who get the quests are these kind of young, naive, like children who will work for nothing or just the, the gumption of it. And the, uh, and the quest givers are these like old crotchety men and women who like are way too powerful and could probably complete the quest in like four seconds. And because of that, um, a lot of quest givers, uh, sorry, a lot of quest takers uh, end up dead because they're children. And so the Quest Girls yeah. is a sort of Charlie's Angels type agency that helps you, that helps the quest takers complete their quests. Hmm. And for a, for a large percentage of the profits. So they do everything from negotiating with the quest givers to training yeah. to like implementation of uh, of like uh, martial arts or these whatever the thing whatever you need for the quest and so yeah ev- that's awesome. every arc would be like a different quest every like how fun and and so and then there would be like a kind of underlying um an underlying sort of like bigger plot reveal that would happen over the course of the book um but you know Plucky girls like giving it to patriarchal and elitist society as they like yeah. as they like help these naive children like solve their quests um, and like survive basically. I love this. So I th- I don't need to stop doing Ichabod, but I'm also here for this. <laughs> well, I'm right now. The big question is: Do I do it as a comic, or do I do it as a series of novels? Or, like, how do I implement mm. it? Um, I mean... I feel like a comic would be so cool, though. I agree. So here's the thing. Because so, the art would be awesome. So we're talking about, like, ending things. Like, you guys are ending things in one episode, right? So, like... Yeah. Um, one of the things you have to think about when you're ending things or beginning new things is, like... like is the next thing going to be better? Like, how, like, yes. like... You know, especially when you're starting to see interest wane. Like, is that interest yeah. waning in the project? Or is it waning in mm-hmm. you as a creator? Or, like, is it in the genre that is your people are losing interest in? Or is it, in the, like, what is the thing yeah. that you... Yeah. Well, and is it also just time for you as a creator to step into something new? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much... Because sometimes <laughs> you don't have that push otherwise, right? Like, it's easy to stay safe. It's easy to stay where you're at. Right. And I think the cool thing about any kind of art is that 
you're always being pushed to create something new and special and unique that connects with more. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the most popular comics that exist and like they're not structured in the way that Ichabod is structured. They're structured in a much more linear fashion. And um, people. But but also it's like, OK, so let's say you do Ichabod Jones Sager Complex. Like does the fact that it's a brand new arc bring interest back into the book? I don't know. So like th these are all there's all of these things. I mean, I know Tyler and I have talked about this um, uh, uh, off, oh, yeah. off camera a lot. The honest to God books that I love the most are the ones that sell the least. Like I have a book called Worst Thing in the Universe. And like it is the book that across the board, people who read it think is my best book and uh, it never sells. It's lovely. But uh, at the end of the day, like you also have to like pay your mortgage. And you also have to like, the, like <laughs> the book has to sustain itself. Like a book doesn't necessarily have to be a huge seller, but it has to at least be able to like maintain the pos its position in the market. And if the position in the market is falling, then you have to sort of plan ahead and say, okay, is it falling because like people don't like volume four? Is it be like for volume four and anything? Like could we refresh it or could you do? So for instance, um, you guys know uh, Charlie Stickney's Galarian, right? Like huge, did like over $50,000 on Kickstarter over like 1,200 oh, wow. backers. Like it was incredibly successful. And uh, we talked about it afterwards. And I was like, well, Charlie, like I, like this takes nothing away from Charlie's book. It is friggin' incredible. And he's an incredible creator. And like, this is part of the success that he's had. But part of it is definitely when I look at, when I look at Charlie's book, it has a beautiful woman naked, uh who is like decimating men and like just slaughtering them ruthlessly and i'm like if you just put a package together of the things that people love that sell really well like that has all of them in like it has all of the things so like sure you could do a book that you could do a different book and like charlie has this wonderful thing where like the thing that he loves is also the thing the market loves and like he's been successful for a long time and now he's the publisher of scout and like, and, and but and like he has this head to be able to follow his gut and his gut leads him into a highly successful like idea. But for a lot of us, like our gut doesn't always lead us into the successful idea. And we keep running up against the barely breaking even or not breaking even on a book. And well, I do appreciate the gumption, Maddie. I really do. Like, in my experience. <laughs> well, I think it's a balance of both, right? Like, you have to be a savvy business person. But also, if you're doing something just because the market loves it, it's not going to have the spirit that's going to sell, right? No. So, so I mean, that's, that, that is, so that the is the key to being a creator and being, uh, is, is finding the idea that merges both things. Like, that is where I have found to be the toughest challenge is to say, Am I willing to do this even though it might not sell or it might only sell? And I'm in a different position because like I did a book called uh, How Not to Invade Earth and like I drew it and it is not the best drawn book that exists. Like it is well designed and like I think it works for the audience. But like this book is like black and white and it still did almost over $3,000 at launch. So like I'm in a position where I can like do something that's small and independent, really independent, like looking and feeling and still have people who are willing to give it a shot and enjoy it because I've done so many other books. But 
you can't if you want to expand out from that and like have the book that doesn't just break even but like like does double or triple or like lets you have the, a career or like lets you fund other books because that's the end of the day like those big successes yes. they end up funding those books you're talking about like the super successful yeah. like the super successful books funds the books that are like the 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 ones that are uh are usually more intimate or maybe mean more the to passion you. projects exactly right? so you but you need to have that and what you need is so yeah. I'll, I'll t- uh, I often talk about sort of the, these concentric circles as a creator and like your job is with every book every big launch not every book but every big launch to kind of expand your reach into more and more people and maybe become more and more broad so that's what i have done in my career so you can see sort of ichabod is this very in, intimate very weird book that like when people find it they fall in love with it um but then uh but not but most people will not find it because it is very small it is is like I said, off genre, but then you make a book called like Katrina hates the dead and Katrina stars a uh, kick-ass white woman who is killing monsters. And like, there is a big genre of like, there's a big market for that book. I love that book. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, and then you do a book like monsters and other scary shit where you bring in other creators and then you do a book that's Cthulhu is hard to spell and you bring in even more creators and they start funneling into your, and that brings in more and more fans. And so you sort of like somebody can hit your sphere in all sorts of ways. And the bigger your the broader your most populous project is, then the more people will funnel into your more intimate projects. So I have found that like, I have a book launching, um, a book series launching in June called the Obsidian Spindle uh, uh, Saga, which is a series of novels. I've written eight novels in this world already, and I haven't shared it with anyone. And it's it's uh, it, it takes fairy tales and mythology and horror and fantasy, and it kind of mixes them up. And the first book is called The Sleeping Beauty. The second book is called uh, The Wicked Witch. The third book is called The Fairy Queen. And the fourth is called The Red Rider. And like it's meant to be able to be accessible to people who don't know anything about my work, but know the term Sleeping Beauty or know the term Wicked Witch or know the term Red Rider, Red Riding Hood uh, and or searching for something like fairies. And so it's, it's meant to be broader than my previous prose work so that people can find it and I, they, then they can access the rest of my backlog. Um, and so that to me is the the career of a creator is how do I expand the people that know me, not by doing a ton of new marketing, but by finding projects that resonate with a, a wider audience that also resonate with my existing audience and also resonate with me. That your 
you can be a hero, not despite your brokenness, but because of it. I think is the overarching message of Ichabod. Ichabod is a um, is a uh, is a mass murderer who, uh, while trying to do the right thing uh, and stop this apocalypse from happening, ended up Absolutely. killing a lot of well, people. And, what- and in that process, he he uh, he had a voice in his head that like led him down the wrong path. He got uh, he he got very okay with viscera and with like different horror the elements of like horror of like killing things and it's those things that society at large would find broken did find broken that make him a hero in the apocalypse and why he's the only person that can that has a chance of ending all of these things I love that. Um, because of, you know, a lot of us are staying indoors, keeping to ourselves and whatnot. And this is a, a great time for us to be able to create, especially for you as a writer. Uh, it's a great time for you to kind of tap into different worlds and different stories. I, But I also noticed that you've done a lot of Kickstarters and have been a part of a bunch of, or a few of the, um, why am I forgetting this word? You just said it. Uh, when people come together, anthology, uh, not, not anthology, uh, anthology. Do you think like during during the course of this, did you have more fun creating a uh, a shorter shorter story or working with others to create a big project, or what have you found a little bit more joy in during these times? I find more joy in creating my own worlds that are large and engulfing and engaging. Um, yeah, I that is not to say anything about any of you amazing anthology projects that I've been in or I've edited, um, but uh, and especially with the creators that I've gotten to work with um, and and maintain relationships with have been amazing. But um, if I had to uh, to to pick one or the other, I would say I like sitting behind my computer and losing myself in a world that I have created. Um, you know, this has been a trying time for everyone. It has been a very productive time for me, but mostly because through all of my work, it, it there's a hope that, 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 that guides all of them. I wouldn't call myself a hopeful person, but, um, <laughs> I, I find that the worlds that I create, that I have a, a, a that I have some control over like because they are because the hero is almost assuredly going to win in the end like i've now written 28 novels in almost all of them but not all of them the hero at least draws to a stalemate in the end if not outright wins in the end even if it's not winning in the way that they think um being able to go through that is and, and and to know that there's, even in the darkest times, there's hope, even if it's not for five more books that they're going to get their, like, their happy ending, yeah. to know that there's going to be hope, and that they're going to succeed at the end, that there's hope in all of this hopelessness, um, has been the thing that has allowed me to write 11 novels in the past 12 months. Absolutely. 
That is um, very productive. <laughs> right? I know. That is even they, all the comics and other work and short story work. Yeah. What's wow. your what's like the favorite? What's your favorite or or what you think is the most useful thing that you've learned in the past year? If it's not serving you, let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, that is how I've been so productive. Is I have I, I dropped my podcast. I dropped my uh, my my coaching academy. I stopped doing a lot of podcasts except when I'm launching. Um, I really just pared down to the essentials of the things that I love to do, even though they don't make as much money revenue wise than that I used to make. Um, they do fill me with more of a sense of, of, of that hope and that I, and, and me wanting to do the that thing. Like me being able to sit at my computer for eight hours and just write stuff is possible. Me sitting behind the the computer and having coaching clients for eight hours is not something that I can do. Like I'm just not built for that. I'm built for sort of interacting with fans uh, and uh, and like doing things like this. But then also on top of that, um, uh, very much uh, uh, like sitting behind my and being lost in my own worlds. And the more I gave up, the scarier it was to give up. But like the more I, I, I found that joy again that I had lost at the beginning of the pandemic and honestly had been losing for a long time before then. I mean, I, I don't want to get super morose here, but I'm gonna like, you know, I'm, I'm prone to suicidal ideation, even though I'm on medication and uh, writing is the only thing that prevents me from feeling that way. And so it's very easy for me to be like, Oh, I haven't written in two days. No wonder. I, no wonder I want to kill myself right now. And then I write some and then I stop like, so it's very, it's e- like, it's a very easy, it's, therapeutic. it's a very easy, like delineating line for me. It's like, if you want to feel better, you write. If you don't want to feel better, you don't write. Like I know most people don't have that sort of like very fine line, but I told my wife the other day, it's like, Hey, I went three days without wanting to kill myself this time uh, after stopping my last book. And so I think that while that is a very morose and very like uh, uh, a hard line that I set for myself, I think that we all can benefit from that. Like, what is that thing that fills your tank back up and, and, and do that and don't do the, well, if I do eight hours, I can then spend uh, this other thing. I can then do eight, four hours doing the thing that I love during the pandemic at the beginning, I was doing all sorts of podcasts. Like I think I did like a hundred podcasts last at the beginning of last year. Holy crap. And I was like so drained and I was trying to get the coaching business to work. And I was, and I, I had didn't write for like three months or something, something crazy long, especially given the thing that I just told you a crazy long time. And my wife was like, it seems to me like you're just doing these other things to like funnel money into this thing that you actually like. So like, what if instead of doing that other thing, you just did the thing and then whatever extra money you needed, you then supplemented instead of having to, because the thing is with doing 10 things is you've got to market 10 things. You've got to 
create revenue for 10 things. You've got to run ads for 10 things. But like, when I just pared down to one, the one or two things, um, it ended up that I couldn't give up all of the book marketing and all of the things that I used to do. But like, I was able to find the highest leverage items, which are, you know, the things that cost me the least time and effort to do and return the best revenue and was like, hey, what if I just did these things in small micro doses throughout the year to like fill up these tanks to do things like Ichabod or do things like, you know, like so I could keep just writing. And 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 um, and so, yeah, I I think people take this the wrong way when I say it, which is like just cut out everything you hate because like that's not true. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of like doing advertising. I'm not a huge fan of like having to do a lot of social media, but there are things that I do for writing. Like they're all part of writing. Like I love, I want to be a professional writer. And because of that, like it takes launching a bunch of books every year and writing a bunch of books every year and doing podcast interviews and like, you know, doing newsletters, all of the things that go into it are. Sorry. I was just going to say, I feel like, I feel like the story you're telling is about protecting your energy, right? Like, yes, there are things that you have to do. If you're going to launch a book, you have to promote it. And, you know, if you can get some help, even better. That's something I tell Tyler all the time because he likes to uh, overextend himself. <laughs> but, like, at the end of the day, there are things you have to do. But the important thing is focusing all of your time and energy as much as you can on the things that you love to do and the things that bring you joy. Because at the end of the day that's what matters. And I think, you know, a lot of us, um, which frankly, we're privileged to work right now. Um, economy is getting better. And that's awesome. But uh, I work my butt off and I'm tired every day, but I'm glad I have a job. But all the same, I think a lot of people are dealing with this concept of like working from home and work life balance and trying to figure out, you know, when do I find time to do the things that really bring me a lot of joy and bring me um true happiness and I think you have to prioritize those things you have to take time for yourself you have to do what brings you joy and whether that's that's your end of the spectrum or not thinking about suicide like whatever it is whatever your limit is you have to keep an eye on it and you have to protect yourself with that because at the end of the day that work will always be there and there will always be more you can do and maybe should do um but every day is a gift and you got to do the things you really love yeah we keep you know we, we're in this and the people, I should say, and the people that like bring you joy. Also, like, yes. like I, I, I have found that I just cut off people like the minute that they stop giving, like, like, like serving me now. Like, it's not great. Yeah. Not a, not a great human <laughs> in that respect. Like, I, I, but I, I just have so little to give and so many people who demand yeah. that time that it's, yeah, it's like, hey, man, you know, you're being a jerk. Like I'm, I'm done. I, I can't. Like I don't, I, yeah. I don't love you enough to, 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 to stick around Go while you're being a huge them. jerk, even if it's only temporary. Yeah. And so, one well, something. Oh, sorry. No, I, I was just gonna say, and, 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 like being able to make that hard line has been very helpful for me in the past couple of years to be able to say, I loved you once. I still love you, but I don't want to be around you. And the same thing with projects. There are projects that say, I used to love you. Like, you used to bring me joy, but, like, we are not in that place now. And, like, I need to put you aside until potentially, like, I can refill that bucket 
and bring you back in because I find a lot of people hold on to projects a lot longer than they need to or want to because they are keep trying to recapture that love that they had at one time. Well, and that's true relationships too, right? And I, I think, you know, I have a friend that always says people are, and this is maybe true of projects too, are in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And sometimes it's hard to kind of identify that, but my personal rule is, uh, are you making each other better people? Yeah. And like, maybe that's true of projects too. Like, is this project making you better? Is it making you a better creator? Is it making you a better writer? Is it making you a better person? And when the answer is not true anymore, then, you know, it's let it go. Yeah. I mean, I think that was, go back to, so I'm doing a new project. We talk about a new project that's coming up in September. Um, uh, yes. So um, I, my, my biggest universe is called the God's Verse Chronicles. It, inc- it encompasses um, Trina Hates the Dead, Pixie Dust, currently seven novels, and a new graphic novel that is coming in September called Black Market Heroin, which is about a... Um, facilitator, someone who doesn't necessarily deal drugs or guns, but can connect you with the people to get deals done. And uh, a deal, one of her deals goes bad. Uh, She steals, uh, she ends up in a car that has a uh, girl who's been kidnapped in it. And that girl ends uh, is a demon who the, who the, uh, who the bad guys were going to use to, um, to, start an apocalypse and she basically has to has like one night to save this woman girl's life oh man um and it's like super fun it's drawn by camry lapka and like it's 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 an incredible uh story that like finally came to me after five years of not doing anything in the god's first chronicles except for Mm. the novels and Tyler yeah. can attest because uh-huh. he's one of the people who has told me to continue to do God's Verse Chronicle graphic novels. Yeah. Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> and I've said there's plenty of novels, and he's like, "That's great. Call me when there's another God's Verse Chronicles graphic novel." Um, and uh, but we like our comments. It, it didn't serve me to keep doing another. Gra- like yeah. I, I, 2017, I did one, and I did the novels, and like I was very happy to do the. The, the novels and the novelizations of the God, God's Verse Chronicles. But a, co- but a couple of years ago, I had this idea for Black Market Heroin, just the title. And I was like, this is, and I, I was at, um, I was at Silicon Valley Comic Con, which I think is now Silicon. And I stopped uh, mm-hmm. Madeline, Madeline Holly Rosing. Uh, and I was yeah. like, dude, I have the best name for a comic. I have no idea what it is. I'm just like, what is like, Black Market Heroin? She's like, yeah, that's a good name. And I was like, I know, right? And <laughs> Two years, I was like sitting on this name, and I finally had like a lightning bolt of an idea that the Gods vs. Chronicles could serve again and and bring that same joy that it had brought in the novelizations. Um, and so sometimes you have a a project that has served you, uh, and then stops serving you. And then start serving you again and like you light that fire up. And one of the beautiful things about having a career like I've had is you you see how, you know, you just talked about a season like 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 a, a project is with you for a season and you love it and then you put it away. And and 
maybe that's all you ever had. Maybe you just had this tryst that lasted a summer, or maybe you had like an epic romance that lasted a year, or maybe you had a marriage that like, um, you know, like Renzo and I are like as married as two like uh, uh, creators can be that aren't married or in a relationship. Like we've been working together now for yeah. a decade, 16 issues. Like we can, you know, I know what he's going to give me when he, when, when he's sending me pages and like, you know, we, we've worked so well and so long together. It's the, it's the longest creative collaboration besides my editor that I've had in my entire life. And, um, you know, that's a book that I didn't, that, that, that served me back in 2010. And then it served me again when we started releasing it and then it kind of fell off. And then we finally like picked up. We've been going now since 2019, we've put out three new volumes of Ichabod Jones and, um, and that's and, and 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 you can have that kind of relationship too, where like you're on again, off again, you know. <laughs> uh, but I, I definitely think that people continue on with projects for too long. They continue on with projects that don't serve them. They continue on with they they feel the need to finish projects that they started and then realize that they didn't serve them halfway through, but they felt obligated to finish that project. Um, there's all sorts of ways that people kind of this burnout happens. And I have found that this sort of follow the joy mentality while is often trite and, and, and often does not capture the fact that sometimes the best things in life, you and the best relationships go through periods where like they are not joyful. You know, I, I would not consider every day with my wife a, a joy some are not wow, even pleasant telling her that. but uh <laughs> you know there's a and like there's certainly not that high from when you, you first started dating but like that doesn't make that relationship not not like worth doing and there's that the love that we feel is not different and and, and more complicated yeah. now 15 years in than it was when we and better 15 years in than it was when we first got together even though it's much different yeah. now um so like I, I, I acknowledge that like it is trite to say follow your joy because some things that are worth doing are not joyous. Well, and maybe it is more what serves you, right? Something can serve you and not be easy. Something can serve you and maybe not be joyful, but like, are you growing from it or is it helping you be better? Yeah, I think that for, for when, when I make projects, when I make, when, when, I, when I start a new project, sometimes I say, is this going to be the hit? It's like, you got to have a hit. Like you got to have a hit to like keep the doors open. Right. Yeah. Um, and if I say yes, then I'm like, okay, well, like, do I care about this hit? Like, is this the kind of thing that could like serve me for a long time? Um, and that I, I care about because a lot of times it's like, oh, wow, what a great idea. It's not an idea that I give a crap about, but like, this would be a great idea. <laughs> we talked about that, I think yeah. earlier, but then there's other times where you're like, Okay, I love this idea. It is not a hit. It's there's no way. It's like it's going to go to my audience. Uh, it's going to be like maybe well loved in that in my community, but like this is not growing. I don't have the resources to grow this beyond sort of the community that I already have. And when that comes, uh, then there's a question of like, okay, so like what am I learning from this one? I can tell you, I'm writing a book right now, and like I tend to write big epic books that like 
in, in chapter one, they're like at one place and then they've like moved three planets away by like four chapters later. And like, these are, they're big and sweeping and like so much stuff happens. I'm writing this book series now. And I was like, what, what, what happens if like, this is very small? Like I've never written a, a never really written a small book that like, what I mean by small is like, every chapter is like very close to the next previous chapter. And like, it doesn't, there's not like big sweeping arcs of action that happen. And like, I don't think that book is going to move beyond like the small group of people that I release it to on Kickstarter. I think that they're going to be great books, but it, it's going to teach me how to write in a completely different style. And for me, that is worth it, even though it is not, it will not likely be a big financial success. Um, and so you have to think, I went through a process when I was writing the God's Verse Chronicles before I started writing the Obsidian Spindle Saga, where I said, I'm not a good enough writer to write this Obsidian Spindle Saga book. I need to learn how to do romance way better and uh, write YA way better and like do several things better. And I found projects that could teach me those things. And I said, well, here are the projects. And, you know, you may have read them. Uh, if you read my novels, you know, the marked ones, uh, uh, Invasion, um, uh, uh, Void Calls Us Home, the upcoming Anna in the Dark Place book that's launching uh, later this year, or you can find on the Wannabe Plus app. Uh, these are books that taught me how to be a writer that was not good enough, because like the the, the, the Godzilla's Chronicles is a good series, but that could write with the complexity needed to make the Obsidian Spindle Saga work in a way that I don't think I could have done 20 books ago. So you, and I, the Invasion and Marked Ones and Void Calls Us Home are all exclusive for the Wannabe Plus app. Like, I don't think they've sold 10 copies outside of like the Kickstarter that we launched them to. And like, while that Kickstarter was successful, um, Certainly don't know if spending an entire month to make like a thousand dollars is like a worthwhile use of a creator's time, but it was worthwhile in so much as it opened and unlocked my brain to another way of thinking about story. And so sometimes you have that project that is like, this is the barn burner. Like, this is the one, like, this is the one I'm putting all of my chips in and like, like I'm designing it and like everything about me says that this book is going to go gangbusters. And then you have those ones that are like sleeper hits that you're like, oh, that, but then you have ones that like, you just know are not going to move the needle very far, but they're going to give you an outlet. Maybe they're going to allow you to do audio. Like I, I did an audio drama called a, a version of The Void Calls Us Home, which I'm going to start releasing next year on the app. And, and, um, you know, sometimes they just let you scratch an itch. Sometimes they open you up to another way of doing stuff. And all of that stuff is like what makes a career messy because you can't, I can't tell you like, there's no, like you have to grow as a creator and to grow as a creator, you have to take on new and interesting projects, but in order to take on new and interesting projects, it means you have to also have a hit. That, 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 that really feels like you writing 10 years ago. Because like the Godsverse Chronicles 
is a book that I started in 2017. And like, though I've written 20 or so novels since I started that book, they all have to feel like the God's verse in 2017. So it's like encapsulating your life in a, in a, in a time capsule, in, in a time capsule, even though you've moved to be able to do other things as a creator. And part of being a successful creator is being able to say, Hey, I've learned all these other things. Now let me strip that down and, and give you a God's verse Chronicles book or an Ichabod Jones volume or like those things. And so there's just so much mess that goes into this kind of work, whether it's comics or prose or podcasting that, you know, there's no guide and, uh, and, and it's hard to make a guide. Like I have a book called how to build your creative career, which like goes through like sort of the overall fundamentals. But as far as like, how do you pick the project that is going to be the hit is so different between all three of us on this call and, and every creator who's watching, because, you know, someone might be in the literary fiction space and like, that's a different way to make a hit than like someone who's writing in like zombie fiction. Well, and I think that's where, you know, as, uh, sentimental and optimistic as I am <laughs> we kind of go towards the beginning where it's like you have to follow your passion and you can look at trends and you can look at what you know what has made other hits but at the end of the day you never fully know um, I think sometimes you can be like yeah I know this isn't going to be popular but sometimes things become popular just because they're really good and, and you never know what's going to happen and I think when you're passionate and when you're telling important stories um, and stories you care about to your point, you know, you can think, oh, this will be marketable, but you still have to care about it and you still have to put your all into it. And I think um, you certainly do that. And it's it's such a pleasure to to chat with you again and to have you back on the show. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, uh, if you want to find out more of my work, we have an app called Wannabe Plus, which is available on iOS, Android and our website, uh, wannabepress.com. Uh, it is free for the first month, so you can sign up and read Ichabod, the first uh, the first volume of Ichabod, Katrina, Pixie Dust, uh, the first two Cthulhu volumes. Uh, a bunch of my novels are exclusive and in the Dark Place novel, um, any of our other stuff, and then it is $3.99 a month after that. Nice. That's not bad at all. That's a great deal. Yeah, and there's about 100 hours of uh, of. of, of information about how to build your your creative career a bunch of my old podcast episodes uh uh uh, uh interviews uh lessons uh, courses and a whole lot more as well so if you're just looking for like how how to build your creative career the audiobook uh, how to how to become a successful author audiobook all of that stuff is all on the app that is a steal at 3.99 so go and check it out everybody russell where can we find you online uh, you can find me on facebook Twitter and Instagram, though I never use Instagram, rarely use Twitter and often use Facebook uh, at Russell Nolte or at RussellNolte.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, my lovely co-host, Tyler. Uh, And thank you, wonderful listeners. Thanks for joining us. One more. You can check out our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. You can also check out our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for articles, videos, and so much more. Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. We still want to hear from you. Tell us what you think. Tell us what your favorite comics are right now. You can stay updated on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we stream on Twitch and Let's Play. 
Tyler might be getting me into it, so you may see me around there. So take a look. <laughs> uh, the intro is provided by Carlisle Laurent, and you can buy Ichabod, Katrina, all of those amazing comics that Russell mentioned um, at wannabepress.com. Um, so check it out and come and join the gathering. Have a great week and GGG. Grand Geek Gathering.